Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money. And today we're going to be talking box. I know everyone is probably still, I mean, minds are elsewhere in the investing world. There's a war yeah. going on on Twitter. And honestly, we're having a hard time focusing or recording it at the end of the week. But we're going to try to get you back to uh, some fundamental analysis, you know, learning about companies and investing for the long term like we do. And if you want to I mean, this is a great segue. If you want to actually learn how to truly invest in companies for the long term, you can try out 7investing with our code CCM at checkout Brilliant. for $10 off. Uh, so it's only 7 bucks for your first month to try it. Great service. And yeah, one thing we taught, we just actually talked with Simon and some of their team. Yeah. Uh, and they do like uh, advisor calls, kind of like a Zoom meeting type deal or more of kind of a conference call type deal where people can ask questions. They really try to learn with each other. Um, and yeah, it's like a real do, community. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, I mean, they, they make it try to yeah be very community based. So. You can like read their recs, and then if you like one of them in the call, you could like ask a question and like actually discuss it. And it's mm-hmm. not just you on one side and them on the other side. You're actually collaborating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, contrary to popular belief, there are other stocks out there than GameStop and AMC right now. Yes, um, and if you want to actually invest for the long term, you can try Seven Investing, but. The show today is going to be about Box. Uh, they're very similar to Dropbox or Google Drive, but Ryan's going to get into them and what they do as a business. Yes, yeah, so they describe themselves as a cloud content management platform. Basically, they are very similar to Dropbox. So it is your hard drive in the cloud, and cloud storage as a whole is pretty commoditized now. Like, uh, I mean, it's been commoditized almost for a decade. So each provider is trying to basically build on the, the additional functionality so that. Uh, Hopefully, the teams that are on it stay and it becomes, instead of just a place to store files, a collaboration place where you can access, assign stuff, share folders, uh, just basically become the central destination of a worker's day. So that's sort of the, uh, trying to describe the zero, zero of your work day. If you're looking Uh, at your work day as a coordinate plane, it's your zero, zero. That's kind of where you start. Uh, But the only slight difference here is that Box started with an enterprise focus. Uh, well, technically they did not. Technically they started with an individual focus in its very early years, but they switched to enterprise before Dropbox did. Uh, Dropbox didn't really, they were pretty much consumer focused until like 2015. Uh, and the way they typically attract customers, Box, uh, is either through, they have a direct sales team and sales and marketing, I think they spent... Uh, I think it's like 30% of revenue. I, I forgot, but um, yeah, they uh, they have the sales staff and they can go after like CTO, CEOs, head execs and try to build the, make it an entire team become a box customer. But really what typically happens is you bring on a team. Like if you're the, at the firm level, if you're an enterprise, let's say Microsoft, they bring in a team from a consulting company or something and they are used to using box. They will use Microsoft's money uh, to pay for their box subscription within that small team within a company, and then they'll expand out that way. So they'll bring in other people from the company, like this big company. Um, and so it kind of has intercompany network effects, if that makes sense. 
and then they can also have external teams work on it as well. Um, and yeah. so that's kind of, that's sort of the bottoms up approach that they have as far as sales go. Uh, and then they tend to sign up with multi-year contracts. So, and the revenue is recognized over the life of that contract. So the number you really want to pay attention to is revenue plus remaining performance obligations, which is defined as deferred revenue plus backlog. So that's really how much they'll be bringing in in total except they'll add new customers in that time. That's how much they're extrapolating out. So when you look at losses, they're looking at really, like you see the top line and then you look at operating profits as a percentage of revenue. They're looking at it as a percentage of bookings because they know how much is coming in. Yeah, and the operating, or sorry, the revenue is very stable. It's highly recurring, like it's all recurring basically. So they can have um, a period say, okay, they know over the next two years they have this much guaranteed to come in and they have this product pipeline or contract pipeline in the works. If they invest now, lose a bit of money um, on a gap basis, you know, they, yeah. they kind of know it's similar to Netflix in that way or someone like that where they know that the revenue is going to be there or hopefully, you know, theoretically it's going to be there because their churn's pretty low. Um, and then they can invest heavily, you know, with confidence. Yeah, it is an extremely predictable top line, uh, but it feels like a very typical, pro- like very prototypical Silicon Valley story. Uh, so Box was developed originally as a college product by Aaron Levy, who I believe is a Twitter uh, FinTwit presence. Feel free yeah, to check a, him he's out. He's a minor, yeah, minor FinTwit presence, yeah. Uh, but when he was a student at USC, he developed Box, uh, and that was in 2004. In 2005, he left USC to work on Box full-time, and that is University of Southern California, not University of South Carolina. I know there's that East Coast discrepancy. So here on the West Coast, USC is California, as it should be across the country. Uh, but interesting note, Levy and all his co-founders were friends from childhood and they actually grew up on mercer island close to our offices where we're yeah, talking literally right like two three minutes away from us right now so yeah super uh, close. so they all grew up on high, in high school there uh and here's a quote on sort of how the four friends molded into a team of their executives early on uh, it says levy and his three co-founders had a great idea what they didn't have however was any real business experience or even a firm grasp of a basic business basic business concepts. Regardless, the four friends were undeterred. As the idea guy and most knowledgeable of the four, Levy was the clear choice for CEO. Dylan Smith's Smith's sense for figures made him the obvious pick for CFO. Although his technical chops were lacking, Goads, or maybe it's Gods, had the most programming experience, making him Box's CTO. And finally, Quasars, or Quasars, I might be saying that wrong, practical experience of installing cable modems secured his position as Box's head of IT. They're just giving each other there's four guys and giving each other executive spots yeah uh kind of funny but originally the entire business was basically they would rent out server space for a dollar a month was pretty much how much cost a dollar per user a month they would sell people one gigabyte of storage uh for two dollars 99 cents a month and then they could just everybody could access their files from anywhere uh and they got a bunch of people to sign up and it would so it was working. They had like a thousand people signed up, I think, but it was a pretty unsustainable business model because obviously as you scale, you start to have more costs. Uh, and so they went looking for funding, but apparently uh, all the founders were like 19 and 20. So no one would give them money. Makes sense. Uh, it seems hard to give people money when they're 19. Yeah. But uh, Mark Cuban had no problem doing it. And he they, originally they sent a letter to try to get publicity. I think Mark Cuban was running some blog at the time. And this is right off the back of his sale, uh, what, what, however yeah. much he sold it for, billions. Um, and so he gave him $350,000 uh, for 
Shout out to Mark Cuban, I guess. Uh, he took the leap of faith, uh, and that just helped kickstart him. But yeah, it's basically it for the history. Kind of unique. And I think Aaron Levy and uh, the CFO, I'm yes. Dylan Smith, 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 I think they're still both there. still on. I don't yep. know about the others. Yeah. All right. I'll get to the valuation. Enterprise value right now is about $3 billion. Ticker BOX, so very standard ticker there. Last 12-month EV to sales of 4.1. Uh, which always makes me happy if something's under 10, if it's a software yeah. business in this uh, market environment. And I think the shares are down like 5% today too. Oh, so. hey, there we go. Unprofitable right now too. So there's no earnings ratio, but they are cash flow positive. Uh, EV to operating cash flow of about 19.5 over the last 12 months. Um, and if the stock's down 5%, that's going to be even lower. Uh, minimal cap X. So EV to free cash flow is similar, but you know that EV to free cash flow will be slightly higher. No dividend as you're probably expecting. And share count is going up a bit. Um, looks like they take a big hit on valuation from the share dilution. I don't know the exact percentage number, but it wasn't immaterial. Uh, so something to watch out for, for sure. Uh, they just raised, for example, a $315 million convertible note with 0% interest due in 2026. And you might, if you don't know what a convertible note is, you're thinking, what, 0% interest all the way out then? That doesn't make any sense. But the reason companies do that, and as I think it has a strike price of around $30 a share, if box throughout any of this time period up to like 2024, or it might be after 2024, wherever the rules are, they're pretty simple. Um, if their share price is up above like $30 a share, the bondholders are able to convert this $315 million to equity. So that'll fur further dilute the company, but it's an easy way to raise money without having to pay interest payments. And if it converts to equity, they won't have to pay back the debt. So it's kind of a give and take, uh, but that's how it works. Uh, last things on the balance sheet, working capital is a deficit, but that's mainly due to $300 million in deferred revenue on the liability side. So nothing too concerning there. And it's probably good uh, that, you know, they run a pretty working capital like business because I mean, with that recurring revenue, uh, there's no need to just pile a bunch of cash on the balance sheet, especially if they're trying to invest through, you know, the income statement, as people say. And then, yeah, they don't really have much long-term debt about, I mean, technically that convertible note is debt, but they have about $200 million in operating leases. Uh, so that's not too bad as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, the leases matter. And that's a big component of their cost structure is because they have all these servers that they're renting out uh, from these basically big data centers. Um, and so they have to pay maintenance and depreciation costs and all that. But I'll get into the earnings. Uh, revenue for the first nine months uh, this year was $572 million, up 11.5% year over year. They had $34.3 million in operating losses during the quarter versus uh, $111 million in operating losses from the year before. So they are getting there in terms of gap profitability. Their remaining performance obligation was $756 million, up 19% year over year. Uh, good sign there. And then gross margins were 71% versus about 68% from a year ago. Net losses followed operating losses. They've both diminished. They're getting towards break-even uh, profitability in terms of a gap basis. Uh, they had $139 million in operating cash flow for the first nine months and $79 million in free cash flow for the first nine months. So that's a free cash flow margin of 14%. Last year was about negative 1%. So they are showing that uh, at scale, they really can be a cash flow machine. Um, yeah. And I, I think they obviously have room to grow into that as well. But they spend about 20% of revenue on stock-based compensation. Um, and then, like you said, if you take out deferred revenue from their current liabilities, they have plenty of working capital. I would 
taken out because it's very unlikely that that's not going to get filled. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you can't technically just take it out. Yeah. Because uh, there is the assets that match it up with the right. cash. Uh, but it kind of shows like, all right, you got a lot. It's, it looks like they have a lot of current liabilities and technically deferred revenue hasn't been realized yet. But the likelihood that it's going to be realized with a company like Box seems very, very high. Very high. Um, it, you hate to get it like aggressive on the balance sheet, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem too bad. Like at first glance, if you just saw the working capital number, you'd be like, ooh, that's tough because they're going to have to keep continually invest. But it, it really doesn't look like they're in trouble. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, okay, that's it then for the first half. We're going to take a break and then do some more analysis on the back end. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? All blocked, thanks to advanced security, included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back. In first question is digging trenches. So what are we thinking here? Zero, one, two, or three on the moat rating competitive advantage? What do you think? Yeah, churn, I believe, was about 5% this quarter. Um, Did they, they explicitly say that? Or? I think they said that in the conference call. The net retention rate is was 103%, eh, um, which isn't okay. great, and it's, it's been okay. declining. Yeah. So it gives me pause, but churn's been declining as well. It went from like 6% to 5%. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. It's obviously competitive, like uh, cloud storage, and people are like Dropbox versus Box. What are you going to go with? Well- I'm not sure. Uh, it's it's definitely not a winner-take-all scenario. If you can charge higher prices, if you can make your platform sticky enough that teams are going to stay on it, um, you can continue to raise prices incrementally over time and then cut operating expenses uh, and just generate more and more cash. So, And as a shareholder, that's what you want to see. And Dropbox and Box can do that simultaneously. And then Google Drive is obviously a little more customer-focused and OneDrive for Microsoft. But uh, those those are also integrated into the platform. So it's not necessarily – I would say this is more an aggregator of all those different functions like OneDrive products and Google or G Suite products instead yeah. of like a competitor to them. Yeah. And you, when you say OneDrive, you probably mean more Office 365. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, so I guess two, two and a half. Yeah. Because Dropbox and Box, yeah, they compete. Yeah. Microsoft and Google and others have competing products, but Box goes after the big enterprises to do like complex things, highly secure. That's kind of their marketing pitch is like we're super secure, uh, which, you know, Dropbox has that reputation of not being secure. Uh, but Dropbox goes for like small businesses and individuals, but Box is really going for those like million dollar contracts or even $10 million contracts. So yeah, I'd probably agree with you too. Um, we don't know the tech as well as someone like, you know, Tim Byers or Hypergrowth, um, Muji, Muji at Hypergrowth, that's his yeah. uh, pseudonym. Uh, but we both had those guys on talking about companies like this. And I know Tim Byers did talk about how he does like Box. So that's kind of what we got interested in it. But it's hard to give... Uh, a rating of a three when we don't understand how the business like works right. from a fundamental level. But next up is for the reading, which is something we want to learn more about. Uh, right. What do you got? Uh, well, just so they depreciate the useful life of their data center leases on a straight line basis. And so basically 
you're seeing this large uh, differential between cash flow and gap earnings. And some of that is coming from the depreciation of these uh, basically data centers uh, and the servers in them. And so according to Dropbox's 10K, they do it over three to five years, which we were talking about. It seems kind of aggressive. I'm curious how much they're actually incurring on depreciation and what they expect the useful life really is because you can estimate i mean i guess you just take the cash flow number but yeah. uh there, there if there's less depreciation than what gap requires them to uh estimate there's a little more operating leverage in the business than we might think yeah and that would that does make a tax advantage too uh the one thing to check on that is over time what the capex is versus the depreciation expense because if they're spending equal amounts on capex and depreciation that does make it line up and it's not apples to apples but it's kind of a good indicator but it would make it similar if you're trying to think as a comparison to the cable business where they do have to depreciate stuff and the useful life is estimated. It's probably not three to five years. It could be over a different time period. But in reality, a lot of the times those things are, you know, they have a longer useful life. So um, Box could be in a similar situation that could make them tax advantage, that could make them cash flow advantage versus their gap earnings. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's hard to know, right? Because yeah, it's, it, maybe it's not some we'll ever figure out. I guess you really just look at CapEx over time, but I don't, I mean, uh, maybe it's just a reason not to pay as much attention to gap earnings as it is cash flow. Yeah, definitely. Or cash flow minus stock-based compensation. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. uh, that's what we like. Uh, all right. My further reading is why is this different than Dropbox? That's kind of a question I'm trying to ask. And I, we've kind of answered that where it's more secure and it's more customizable for enterprises. So they're going after, I think they have a customer in like Morgan Stanley, uh, which probably wouldn't use Dropbox, but they definitely would use Box. Yeah, I think um, okay. I, I think they have a lot of government contracts too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think they also get the reputation of more secure. Um, I've, I've read some like tech blogs and they're like, it doesn't really make a difference anymore because Dropbox hasn't really had an issue in like five years or whatever. Um, and there, apparently there was some reason behind that, but they have like the reputation of higher security. Yeah. And that can stick for a long time. Um, I don't know. Sometimes when I get a company like this though, it feels to me like similar to when I was researching MongoDB and that's a company I used to own in my personal portfolio. I researched it, thought I understood it, and then I realized when looking at other companies and competitors I didn't even know existed, all right, maybe I don't understand this industry as much. It seems a little simpler than the database software, whatever cloud-based database solutions that MongoDB plays in, uh, but I would be concerned uh, uh, before I want to invest. It's something I'd try to understand, at least from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It Seems maybe simpler than it actually is. Uh, what do you have for future growth opportunities? Okay, they have a product called Box Shield, um, and we're both just going to talk about products that they have because in reality, like they have one product and that's Box, but there's a lot of add-ons that you know enterprises can customize with. Uh, it, it takes a while for me to understand these. A lot of times they get explained, and on their website you kind of look at the info pages, right? And yeah. You're like, all right, I guess that sentence makes sense, but why would anyone need this? Um, so this one, though, just back to Box Shield, uh, they focus on security. And Shield is one of those features you kind of add it on as a subscription. And you can auto-classify like security memos. So it hopefully will use some sort of machine learning where they see some certain code. 
it kind of classifies it for say your government or a financial institution, anything that needs certain security measures, you put them in each classification so that doesn't get mixed up and you know if it saves efficiently. And then it can also detect things if you know malicious stuff is happening, uh, malware, whatever, if that's going on, it hopefully can detect that. So that's kind of like the, that's why they call it box shield because it shields your- uh, Great name. Yeah, whatever that is. Um, but I think that's a good thing that can make their products again more differentiated than someone like you know google drive or dropbox where it's actually worth it for these big enterprises to choose them and that could give them you know that competitive advantage yeah mine's similar to yours it's called box relay so they added this in february of 2020 uh, and they've added some new capabilities uh, in the recent quarter and so this basically just allows teams to create specialized workflows instead of a one-size-fits-all approach so uh, you know, if you're assigning different tasks, you can do it in a specialized way. Uh, is that, am I describing that in a way that makes sense? Yeah, I think, I think so. So like, it's a, it's more like a more custom. A, yeah. If you have a team, you can, instead of just having everyone go in, you can create a specialized, like this assignment's here to yeah. this person, this assignment's here, then you guys collaborate on this, that kind of thing. Okay. So it's like customizable monday.com if you've ever heard of that or Asana or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And it, just... If you're actually curious on these specific functionalities, just go look up a YouTube demo, honestly, yeah, because that's usually the most helpful. Plus um, good uh, dramatic background music every time. Yeah, but there's no there's no one uh, add-on or integration that they're going to put on there that's going to move the needle for them in terms of clients, in my opinion. Uh, just their, their only job is to keep up and keep integrating with the functions that the teams need. If you can yeah. keep doing that, you're going to keep giving them more reasons to stay on the platform. And that's the name of the game for them. Um, and hopefully raise that retention rate or keep it above 100% for right. a sustainable period. Um, but yeah, future growth opportunities for companies like that are kind of it, bland. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's, uh, there's no reason to expect them to come out with a new product anytime soon. Uh, it's all going to be add-ons. Uh, yeah, similar to Dropbox. Okay, highlights and lowlights. What do you have? Uh, I liked the RPO growth, nineteen percent. So again, that's remaining performance obligations. That's another way to talk about their backlog of kind of contracted things. So, for example, if someone signed a three-year deal, they don't realize all that revenue and they don't bill everything through that deal uh, right away. Uh, so that's kind of stuff you know, similar to I don't know, a lot of companies do that. But again, nineteen percent growth is solid. CEO and CFO have been talking a lot on the conference calls and stuff like that about efficient growth. Um, we're seeing that in the numbers here, although you know, if you back out stock-based compensation, the numbers aren't looking as great. Uh, and I do like the long-term nature of the business. It's like something that feels like the lifetime value of a customer is very high. It could be worth $10, $20 million um, if it's a big enterprise. But then Lowlights, though, found it, they were founded in 2004, and they're still not profitable. They use a ton of stock-based compensation as a mature company. And we talk about stock-based compensation. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And it makes sense when you're a startup, stuff like that. You know, you're kind of short on cash. It's a good way to get everyone involved, everyone get ownership. But as a mature company, it seems like a lot of the smart businesses transition to paying, you know, just employees and stuff and and better salaries, competitive salaries. And you give a few stock options out, but 20% of revenue, maybe that's a one-time thing, but it feels like a lot... Um, and then lastly, I'm not sure they have any competitive advantages outside of switching costs. Uh, maybe a little bit, but that does concern me a bit too. Okay. My highlights are uh, 
Well, it just feels like the market's discounting this because people think of cloud storage as commoditized, which is fine. But if you have like a five and a half percent free cash flow yield and you have sticky customers and you can reduce operating expenses, it doesn't really matter uh, if your competitors are also good. Like yeah. you can still be a good investment. So if, if but they got to make sure if, if they didn't dilute shares and I hate harping on this and they started reducing share account, that could be very nice. But yeah. maybe I'm just a little too optimistic there. So yeah, I would say that is a low light as well. There's also this, this might sound stupid, but we talked about reputational risk as a low light for Dropbox. I think we did um, because there's if you're a firm and you have to uh, take certain financial documents, some clients might not want you to use Dropbox as storage because there's the uh, like the the security problems that they've had in the past, and so right. that's just kind of sticks with them as a reputation. I think they should have used a different name than Box. Because the unacquainted might just think Box is like slang, slang for Dropbox. Well, the, yeah, they were founded before Dropbox, so eh, Dropbox kind of, but they could have changed their name. I'd say Dropbox has more notoriety. Yeah, uh, but among consumers, I would say yeah, the stock-based compensation is a concern, and then they the net revenue retention rate, or sorry, net retention rate continues to fall. It was two years ago, it was one hundred six percent. Last quarter, it was one hundred three percent, and churn was actually. Higher than I would have thought. 5% seems really high for enterprise customers. Maybe yeah. they have certain contracts where it's like projects. Uh, so like timely projects where they have like one year contracts uh, and they're Possibly. not planning to uh, like renew them. I'm not really sure, uh, but I might have to look into that as well. Yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, all right. Last question before we wrap up. Are we more or less interested? I'll let you go first. I'll go with more interested. It feels like them and Dropbox can both be winners. Uh, and it feels like the market's giving it a bit of a heavy discount just because cloud storage is commoditized. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, you know, Like I said before, they can continue to, to generate higher cash flows as they reduce operating expenses as a percentage of revenue. Uh, they can incrementally improve prices. Um, and then they're continuing to bring on more users as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I like the business. Feels like a stable one and yeah. something I could easily sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. I'm more interested. I mean, it's not some phenomenal business where, but the re the thing is, it's trading at a reasonable price. So uh, the main reason I'm interested is because it is trading at you know whatever four times sales, and they can likely get to 25% free cash flow margins at scale, which seems very reasonable. Um, or maybe even higher with that gross margin structure. But yeah, I mean, stock-based compensation is a concern. I'm not sure, I mean, would it be best for this, the founding CEO and CFO to leave? I mean, they've been there a long time. And I mean, they haven't done much in the public markets. Like, a, yeah, I guess the business is still doing okay. Uh, but it feels like ripe for activism. Uh, it seems like someone could definitely come in. Potentially. Something like that. But I mean, the business does seem solid. I agree with all your points. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they went the way of Dropbox because Dropbox just recently fired like 11% of the workforce. Um, I mean, they're still hiring people, but if they're trying yeah. to cut or like cut out bloat where they can, I wouldn't be surprised if Box has to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, true. I, they they are overhired. Saying, yeah, they are saying they're trying to become more efficient um, and we'll just have to hold it to that. If you are going to be an investor in this company or thinking about being an investor – 
you probably want to look over the next three years, okay, are margins getting better? Are they spending a little bit less? Uh, you know, is the leverage actually going to be there? You got to hold them to their word of what they're going to say. Also a highlight, uh, the person that I know, the, the, per, the one person that I know who knows the most about software said this was his recommendation a while back on our show. So yeah. that, he said that's like a company he's looking at. Yeah, uh, not, not, a re- yeah not a recommendation. It's one he looks at a lot. Yeah. yeah not so, sure if it was, but. I don't know. I mean, confirmation bias. There you go. Yeah, always looking for that. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. Use our promo code CCM at checkout to get $10 off your first month at 7investing. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on our next episode. Thank you.